Okay. What's that like? So, something that's something that's always fascinating to me, and it's like it's been the theme of our our text messages that have been going back and forth of like just like the resources that connect people just fascinate the hell out of me. I just yeah. love thinking about like the like the the connection that connected this thing to that thing and the the some of it you know being some sort of synchronicity and some of it just being some some coincidence or something but it always winding up coming something more meaningful yeah absolutely like i just 10 seconds ago the two of the people we know mutual are people that i met on this same film so it's like oh okay so that film meant that you and i are now connected I'm like yeah i know oh so it's just it's just funny how that all goes and then and then I listened to your episode on Jordan's podcast, and I saw when we were first chatting that he was one of our mutual followers. Uh, but I didn't listen to that until after I realized that. <laughs> but yeah, I know what a small world. It's it's interesting, and and you know the longer, even though I'm out here in Los Angeles, you know I still am meeting people from Philadelphia and you know, other places I've lived. And it's it's crazy how those connections keep coming back. You know, Joe Gariffo was actually in my first feature. What was that uh, one? Well, I'm sorry? What was that one called? It's called uh, The Rest Falls Away. And it was this, it's kind of like a romantic comedy, but mixed in with that, like the sliding doors premise of like multi, you know, all these different worlds. And universes, yeah. And different timelines and, you know, Joe plays the best friend and we see how his relationship, you know, um, either devolves or evolves depending on what timeline he's in and stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, and we just reconnected, uh, not that long ago and have stayed in touch over the years. And now, now I've met you, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's great. That's so cool. I, but it was also great is, uh, I love the idea, like I'm obsessed with like Rick and Morty. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of, alternate timelines and alternate universes. Like, I like put that into my wrestling character for like the last two years. I kind of just, I kind of stepped away at this point from doing that because I'm, you know, I've stepped away from everything. We're still in quarantine. I'm, that's right. Yeah. But I, I was, it, I was in the process of, I had an alternate universe version of me come out to the ring and do all my work for me. And I'd make it so that the commentators couldn't tell the difference, but it was clearly someone else. Uh -huh. that's that's me from an alternate universe that's kind yeah. of a fun idea i've never seen that done before in wrestling <laughs> it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know if you've ever watched uh, another dan Harmon show but uh community there's a a famous episode where they you know roll a die and splits into multiple timelines and they reference that throughout the show so no i didn't i didn't watch that show like chronologically like i caught an episode here or there and Dude, the 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 writing was so good on that show. Yeah, yeah, it was really enjoyable. I'm, I'm sad that that one got uh, kind of short shrift at the end there, you know. But uh, whatever, we got Rick and Morty out of it, I guess, and some other stuff. So that's cool. How were you holding up during the quarantine? I mean, here we are, what a month, a little over a month into it now, right? Yeah, yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, I, at the at the very be you know, like I work from home, right? So like I'm assigned director. I do most of my work and prep from home. So a lot of writing, storyboarding, things like that. 
and and before that, I was um, at a company called Fullscreen, where I was a creative producer, and that was a remote first company. So we would meet and we'd have like in person meetings, you know, periodically. But I worked from home for about three years. Right. So I've actually been training for this, right? Like I've been kind of like, this is my home office, you know? Yeah, I've been kind of quarantine quarantining myself for a while, I guess. Uh, so when it first started, I was like all about it, right? Like just, okay, time to like, re, you know, re focus on work and write. And I did a lot of stuff, but then you have those up, up days and down days where you, you know, your mind starts wondering and thinking about the state of the world and what we're doing to it. And um, when this is going to be over and the economic impact. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who are suffering and my wife is a doctor. So she's, you know, on the front lines of this thing, you know, and is out ex being exposed to it. So it's, it's a lot, you know, I, I journal every day and you can see from day to day, it's like, okay, you know, I'm feeling okay, productive, things are going well. And then the next day it's like, what is happening? How about you? How have you been holding up? <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny that you were saying that because uh, Brady and I had a conversation when he did my show, which oh. will come out, which will come out in six weeks or something. <laughs> but we, uh, he, we talked about how when this is over, so many people are going to have pilots written for for what they did during the quarantine. It's going to be all types of like everything is going to be. It's going to be quarantine content. Everything is going to be centered around. Not everything, but a whole lot of stuff. People are going to have treatments written for what they did during the quarantine, right? something yeah. like that. But. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that's true. I, I personally tried not to write anything, and I haven't written anything about the quarantine. Right. You know, like I think that there is going to be a lot of people who have really interesting stories to tell, personal stories. They have a way into it. Me, I, I've had a backlog of ideas and I'm like, you know, well, this is a time to kind of just explore those, you know, because I'm definitely not, I'm not going to write the next contagion, you know, right, right. somebody else is already doing that much better than I could do, so. Yeah, I mean, it, there's going to be, you know, vampires were a cool thing for a minute, zombies were a cool thing for a minute, now the quarantine, yeah, uh, TV shows and movies is going to be the cool thing for the minute, it's going to be, yeah. <laughs> be like, oh, I got to get in on this quarantine this quarantine uh trend yeah exactly but uh yeah the for me honestly the the thing it, not much has changed over here really same same deal i mean I, not that i was preparing for this or working from home for a while but i mean i was just doing like some acting and like i was doing some some uber eats and it's like well i guess i gotta take a break from doing that just for yeah. safety and uh, I mean, that's, everything else is pretty much the same. Just hanging and doing recording podcasts every day. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, I think it's it's an opportune time to, you know, record that record or you know, bank stuff for the future or whatever it is that you're doing. I think that's great. Learn. I have a lot. I have a lot of like weird hobbies that I, you know, I roast coffee and I have invented a board game and I've been slowly working on that stuff too. And yeah, just a bunch of quarantine creative stuff. Dude. It would be cool if you made like a little game show out of your out of your board game where it's like send people the rules, send them, you know, what they would need to do to build their own game that's like yours and then have like a, a video conference of people playing that game and then do like the cut screens to the people whose turn it is. That's actually a brilliant idea. <laughs> I should definitely do that. Content. <laughs> That's great. My, I have a I have a really good friend of mine who who made this board game out of like uh, 
everybody has to build a sandwich. So he cut out like little pieces of felt that are like, this is a piece of cheese. This is a, this is a roll. This is like, and we, we were playing that uh, a couple months ago. And I was like, dude, you should like market this, this. And he's like, no, it's just for me and my son. I don't, I don't care. And I'm like, Oh, you're a genius. That's how, that's how amazing things start. You know, like, this, this the, the game that I made, it's called Wayfarer's Folly. That's what it's called right now. Who knows what it'll be. But yeah, it started as just like a, can I do it? Would it be fun? Started playing it with friends. And now it's like, all right, shit, we got to put a Kickstarter together. And, you know, like, make this a real thing. Because it's kind of getting to that point. But uh, yeah, it just started off as something fun to, to do, to stay busy. Well, it, it's funny. Uh, the, the quarantine is... The quarantine is making me I'm, I'm still in a, in a pretty new relationship we're in the first six months and we're like locked in together so we get a lot of like a really lot of good quality time together and, you know in that building stage yeah uh and uh i was like hey you want to do this or do that and she's like no i don't like to play games like, oh, you don't like to play games? <laughs> what the hell are you <laughs> yeah, this could go either go really well or, or very poorly, you know, depending on how. She's not your key demographic. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and that your cheese game sounds great. The sandwich game it reminds me of uh, what was the the Nintendo game where you would build like a hamburger? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's called Burger Chef. Anyways, yeah, it reminds me of that. That was a great game. Well, uh, how old are you? I'm in my 30s. Yes, me too. Yeah. I'm I'm 36. Okay. Um, not 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 afraid to not afraid to go ahead and put it out there. Like, <laughs> honestly, man, um, I, I like to I like to stay pretty vulnerable, and like that's why I I kind of like to let you know that like I'm open for anything, and we're gonna talk about whatever because I, if you ask me stuff, I have no problems answering it. I'm not hiding from anything. Kind of kind of. To, to quote Parks and Rec, you're going to put me on blast, I'm going to put you on Front Street. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to talk about anything. I usually, you know, like, you can you can find my age easily online. It's just like one of those things where it's really interesting in, in um, when you're in different interviews, you know, people have a particular perception of you, you know, when you're on set and you're directing a large crew of people. You're if somebody... younger than me is telling me what to do or exactly exactly or, or it's just old, doesn't know his shit like yeah it's a, it's some sort of, it's going to be some sort of ageism one way or the other exactly yeah it's really it's very fascinating how that works and in some some places it's better to be the the older guy on set you know and some places it's better to be the young person who's you know kind of up and coming so it's just very interesting how that how that happens and and so i try to I try to say like I just you know look at the work that I've done and 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 judge, judge me on that rather than you know how old I am or how old I'm not right so my, my one of my one of my best friends uh, he's actually he's actually um, I consider him a brother now because he he lives with my sister they 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 are they're a, a couple now so I say he's my brother-in-law but uh, when he was in college we were both I don't know. 30, something like that. This is a while ago. And it was before him and Bridget got together. And he like brought me to Temple while he was going to Temple. And he was, you, you might even know him. But he was like, he was like, oh, I'm going to introduce you to all these people. If anybody says anything about my age, I'm this old. 
Oh, you're lying to these people about what you're eating. <laughs> if anybody asks me my age, I'm not lying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no point to it. You don't control your age. You know what I mean? You, it's 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 arbitrary. Um, but yeah, who? Uh, what's his name? I maybe I know him. I went to Temple. So Anthony Bruno. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think so. Is it for film? Um, it's kind of amazing how tight knit the Temple film community is. Like out here, just because of the quarantine, it actually got canceled. But there was going to be this huge Temple alumni meetup, and I've I've gone for a few years now, and you get everybody you know from every level of the industry and young people who are out here on internships, and it's really cool to like stay in touch with that group. I uh, I was walking down the street in my neighborhood, and and, a, and a pro- I hear my name shouted out from one of the the diners, and I look over, and it's one of my old professors, and he's like, "Hey, are you coming to that thing? You know, this is last year." And I was like, "Well, I am definitely am now. Like, hey, man, how's it going?" So it's cool that you know you still feel connected to that stuff. Uh, yeah, um, he he lives in Brooklyn now. Uh, he's uh, he was working on on the uh, the new Kevin James show. Oh, cool! As an art director. So uh, when, if, whenever the world becomes less canceled and uh, that show is in development and might actually happen, he'll he'll be the direct, the art director of that show. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Everything's kind of on hold right now. It's like oh, it's going to happen, but it'll come back. It, you know, people need content more. I mean, more so now than ever. You're seeing how people are like turning to art and entertainment to get through this. You know. Well, that was funny. We were talking about it, and, and I. Mean, I no problem admitting the fact that like the people who listen to my podcast listen to the audio and don't watch the video and it's funny because uh, I put them on YouTube and they get like two three views no one cares uh, and you were like oh uh, I don't know is this going to be audio or video and I was like what, what's the problem I didn't know what you looked like and then you, <laughs> popped, you, you popped your video on and I think before you ever popped it on you were like yeah um I'm okay with you not putting this up. I just thought it was going to be audio and that's it. But now I'm seeing you and you're like a real pleasant, real pleasant <laughs> guy with a real big smile. I don't know what the problem is. Your hair's neat. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm a behind the camera kind of guy. I, you know, maybe that's like a lame excuse or something. But I, even, even when I have to go to, like these last few years, I did a bunch of film festivals with a couple things I, I, I made. And you know, that whole, like, on the red carpet, step and repeat, standing in front of the camera. I just, I, I don't like it. I just, I don't know why. It, it, I feel very uncomfortable in that, in that. But, like, you know, put me behind the camera. I'm happy to happy to rock and roll, so. All right. I, mean, I get it. Some of us are, some of us are look-at-me people. I've got this, this huge look-at-me hole that's been trying to be filled for the last 20 years. And, and I think, uh, I think I'm just shy. Yeah, I think it's just, like, a shyness, you know, like, which is strange because when I was young... You know, in 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 middle school and high school, like I was part of like theater productions, and I was in the marching band, and you're always sort of out there in front of people being seen. And just as I have gotten older, I feel like it's just kind of has gone, to, you know, closed up a little bit. I've been like, you know what? There's there's again, I always feel like, you know, I I'm a, I, I like to cook at home, and I'm a good home cook, right? But I am not a chef, you know. And I'm like, all right, you know, there's people who are better for uh, being in front of the camera than I am, so. Uh, I leave it to the professionals. <laughs> I, it's, it's it's funny too because I talk about a lot like what's on the record. I talk about it a lot, and uh, what what's what's cool is your work is on the record. All the the videos that you made, all the music videos you made, um, that stuff is outliving you. That stuff is this 
all this is outliving me. All of the podcast interviews we do, all the media that we do, all of that can build up in the, in a data and make up kind of who we are to give somebody an idea of who we really are on right. top. So, I mean, that's kind of why I want to stay so vulnerable as well, because I wouldn't want somebody to, to figure out who I am and it's not, and they're piecing together mistruths. You know what I mean? I right. want to be the, the full truth and who I really am, because what if, you know, what if, what if my loved ones lose me and want to come back and, and kind of get an idea. I'd, I'd like for them to hear the real me. Absolutely. It's, it's very like Black Mirror. You know, when they reconstruct your consciousness from all the media and interviews and telephone calls that you've ever had, you know, like, will it actually be you? Now, 23andMe has my DNA. So exactly. they take my DNA <laughs> and the content from my podcast and they can just create me all over again. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's something, you know, my films, just because it's so difficult and expensive, I don't do a lot of sci-fi stuff. Like, But even the feature I mentioned, you know, it has that sci-fi tilt to it. Um, but a lot of my writing is in that world of, like, kind of, what if what if this was that? Or, you know, like, very Twilight Zone influence. Less so, like, Black Mirror, I feel, is very, like, tech technological. You know, it's, like, about the fears of, of tech. And I feel like um, Twilight Zone was more about, like, that cold cold war era paranoia and i think now we're sort of like in a, a time period where that's being mashed together right you've got the you've got infectious diseases what's that it's the right in the middle ground of those things yeah yeah we've got technology i mean we're having this conversation you know miles apart it's kind of amazing that we can do this and stay connected to each other but you know everything's that double-edged sword so yeah i mean I, I like your approach being honest and open and and just trying to be who you are you know when you're that person and putting it out there i think that's really important i tend to like i said you know i'm a little bit more shy i'm a little bit more reserved and i think that that comes out more in, in the stuff that i try to write and put out into the world like that's you know what i'm thinking about or what i want to say what content have you been watching on your quarantine, on your on your lockdown at home? Well, I'm a human being with eyeballs, so I watched Tiger King, uh, <laughs> like everyone else, uh, right. which was a very fascinating, fascinating watch. Uh, that was great. I, you know, I'm trying to like watch, you know, rewatch old films that I I've really liked that, that were influential in what I'm writing now. So I just rewatched uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Did have you seen that? No. It's Yorgos Lothamos, the guy who did the, the Lobster and Dogtooth. So it's like a really weird. Um, it's cool. And I watched There Will Be Blood, which is a Paul Thomas Anderson, and yeah, just just sort of like long weird movies that that I can kind of you know spend some time with. Yeah, um, I I listened to a lot of Pete Holmes. You made it weird. You ever hear that? You listen to that podcast? I haven't, but I know I know of Pete Holmes. Yeah. Yeah, he talks about. He talks about the uh, some his like like his ego. He calls his inner plane field like um, like um, Daniel Day Lewis's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I on, I'm very familiar with it only through listening to that podcast. And I I've tried to watch the movie a couple times, and I have a, a short attention span, and I fall asleep. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I I hear that. I mean, I I really love slow burn, kind of methodical, you know, kind of stuff. I also like fast-paced pulp poppy kind of stuff i haven't but i just i don't know i haven't been in that exuberant mood maybe that's part of like the quarantine vibe too that just kind of feeling like you want to hunker down have you watched dispatches from elsewhere yet 
I haven't even heard of it. No. No, it's a it's on AMC. It's a show. It's like Jason Siegel's new show with Sally Field, Andre Three Thousand. Yeah. And they're like, it's 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 weird. It's pretty weird. But I'm into I, that. I, yeah. I, I there. Go ahead. There's a there's like a scene where she puts on the VR goggles and they've compiled the data from her Facebook page and the memories and they took her right back to her wedding day from 40 years ago. Like, so she's walking around and seeing all of her memories and like all the people laughing at her wedding and stuff. And then, and then she backs up and looks into a mirror and she's looking at a younger version of herself in the mirror and and then having a conversation with her younger self about who she's become. And, and it's, dude, oh, that's it, awesome. it was so cool. I, so I'm, I started watching a show called Tales from the Loop, which yeah, is in oh, Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Love that's, that stuff. Good, good, little, good little show. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's switching, amazing what they're... Sorry, go ahead. The Switching Places episode was my favorite so far. Where the boys switched bodies. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, and I just started it. it. I'm about to ruin it for you. <laughs> I'll have to catch up. Yeah, it's it's. I'm trying to. I'm trying not to binge too much, you know, with with TV and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, eh, you know, we have the time now, so it's good. It's a good opportunity to catch up. Are, are you a wrestling fan at all? You know what? I'm I'm not. I like the film, The Wrestler, the Aronofsky movie, and I remember I grew up with it. So I had tons of friends who actually had the. Do you remember the action figures? Um, I don't know if they still make them or not. Of course. And so, like from that era, I like I've never I've never really seen it, but I could I could name all of the characters, like like uh, you know like the Hulk Hogan era, you know that kind of. Um, late you know early 90s kind of era and uh so i'm aware of it i'm but i've never really followed it it's funny just I was imagining a world where they stopped making action figures of wrestlers and they're like well you know we decided we stopped we stopped liking money so we're gonna not yeah <laughs> i remember they had the uh the wrestle buddies i don't know what they were called but they were like basically a pillow that you beat yeah. up <laughs> i think they were called the wrestle buddies yeah i think so 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 yeah, I, and when you when you mentioned the alternate timeline version of your character, it made me think of like this was right around the time where Hulk Hogan became I think he was called a Hollywood Hogan, okay, or some okay. right NWO. when he joined the NWO. Yeah, and he became like a bad guy. He right. was like a villain, and so it's like oh, that's like the alternate you know version, the dark version of uh, you know the same character. Yeah, and like um, fascinated, it always fascinated me when you would play the video games of these. Uh, these rest these wrestling video games and you could one player could pick one guy and then another guy could pick that same guy and then those two mirror images of each other would fight like not just in wrestling games but any video games like uh yeah. zero versus sub-zero it's like what is the world what is everything yeah my wife and i we uh we play a lot of mortal kombat and so in quarantine, you know, we're like, yeah, let's, let's, uh, she's like, do you want to fight? I'm like, yeah, I'll fight you. So we, uh, you know, and we tend to, to want to pick the same characters often to be equally matched. And uh, she's pretty good. She beats me most, most of the time. So. Did you see the Mortal Kombat episode of Black Mirror? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. We're like, they're, they're avatars and they have like a love affair. And yeah, that's, that's a pretty intense one. Yeah. Wow. What, dude, I, I've come up with some ideas for like scripts that would make cool uh 
would make cool uh, Black Mirror episodes, but it's like it's just a matter of like having the idea and putting it on the on the page versus like I'm, I just uh, I'm more of a developer than a writer. Mm-hmm. I come up with ideas, but putting them down, like typing them out, is always the toughest part. Like yeah. I was like, I'm working. I, I've been saying, oh, I'm working on this script. Actually, I've written the first line, the EXT <laughs> day, and that's Bain it. In. Yeah. <laughs> Working on it. I've written the first sentence. Yeah. Sentence I just somewhere. three letters. Yeah, I mean, you should, I, you know, you can always work with a writing partner or somebody who doesn't have the ideas but loves writing. You know, it's, it's really hard to find that person. You know, over the years, I've, I've written with other people and... And I've written a lot by myself, and it's it's hard to find a partner, you know, that you can trust and you gel with, and you know, it's it's a it's a very it's like being in a band or something, or you know, being in a relationship. You really have to kind of be in each other's head. Well, um, I I I wrote a couple movies with with um, my my friend Steve. We have a couple things out there where, like, we sat and wrote, but he's done all the writing, and I've just come up with ideas for the scenes and like come up with some dialogue and, mm-hmm. and we we've done that like we've done a few things together now just like that uh we just did one uh it's just going to be a short and i think that's coming out i'm going to say it was supposed to come out in march but like quarantine bleh, who knows yeah but we're doing yeah. like a, we're doing like a viewing party for the cats and crew tonight just a uh 13 minute zoom v- meeting of us all watching it, um, it's it's called Bruce. It's just like a, like a sort of uh, action uh, action hero sort of thing. Sounds good. Cool. You should. You, I'd love to see it. So whenever you can, you know, put it out there. Let me know. Yeah, I'll do it. yeah it's all right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting time. I you know I shot something right before the the music video for Gone. Uh, yeah, you know, I yeah. shot that right before things shut down. So we were just able to do post-production. And again, with technology, none of us were in the same room. You know, I was able to work with my editor and colorist and, you know, our art guy was in, you know, the UK. And so like, it was amazing to be able to like, literally have a global production mm-hmm. where, you know, everybody's got their own equipment and we're kind of pulling this thing together. It, it shows like how far indie filmmaking has come and um, you don't, I, I believe that you don't need essentially the gigantic studio to do, um, so much of what we, you know, what's possible now. Was she, was she, um, did she really have that tattoo? Yeah. Yeah. So in the video, she gets a tattoo that says gone and yeah, yeah. she got that on camera. Oh yeah. That, yeah. That, that was, that was a, a real time. Tattoo. Yeah. So the, 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 the sort of hunky boyfriend tattoo guy is played by her real life husband. Okay. okay. And so he was there, you know, faking it. We swapped him out with a real tattoo artist who, you know, was able to like do the tattoo in real time. And uh, she still has it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Well, of course she still has it. Oh, well, yeah, it's a tattoo. But like, <laughs> it's not like she, you know, put something over it or changed it. That's great. That's great. I mean, have you considered also getting it? If the... Let's say, let's say, let's say the video gets one bazillion hits and it makes you a, makes you a huge success in the uh music video industry uh, yeah i would definitely get i'd get 10 of them yeah <laughs> gone tattoos uh i don't i don't have any tattoos but it's, some, it's something i definitely have like i've always had wanted to to get a tattoo i'm like 
I tend to get too caught up in like, oh, it has to be something meaningful and profound and it has to be the right artist and the right, and so then I end up not getting it. Uh, do you do you have any tattoos? Yes, I have. I have but it's very much like I, I decided that I was going to just get my legs done and get nothing in my upper body because of, um, you know, trying to get acting parts and stuff. And I could just put pants on. And, and it was mostly, I think, because when I wrestle, I'll, I'll put on like, long tights so you're not going to see you're not going to see anything so you can't billboard quick judge me like that off of mm-hmm. you'd have to judge me off my work and my character versus judging me off of what the what the 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 uh, advertising uh, advertisement is on yeah. my skin yeah i feel like and, and tell me if this is true that like i hear that once you sort of get one or two tattoos it like opens the door and then you're just like, you're kind of going and getting more and more. Yeah, because it's always like, well, it's just like plastic surgery. It's like the same stuff. Like, it's just gonna, I'm just gonna do this one thing and then you wind up doing another thing and another thing and another. Yeah. It becomes an, uh, an obsession a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, light obsession because it's not, it's not the worst thing for you to get some tattoos. Right. I think it's actually really cool. You know, like I like tattoo art in general. You know, I think there's a lot of really, really cool artists out there. And I also think like it's it's a neat way of, you know, taking a a particular ownership over your skin. You know, you're born into the skin that you get um, and then how you choose to what you choose to do with it is kind of yours. And I think that's kind of cool to to be able to like, you know, decorate it in a way that's really personal. My my uh, my mom had kept all this stuff in her basement from when my grandmother had passed. Like all her like jewelry boxes and her pictures and home videos and stuff. And brought that up like at Thanksgiving and was like saying who wants some of this jewelry and some of that jewelry. And my sister was going like, oh, I love these earrings. And then they were all clip-ons. And we remembered that my grandmother would say, God gave me the amount of holes he wants me to have. And I'm not gonna <laughs> more holes. So you had all these clip-on earrings. And I was like, well, uh, I was just talking to my girlfriend about that. She has like her, her ears stretch out to a zero and she's covered in tattoos. And I was like, my grandmother might like you once she gets to know you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she's not going to like those things about you. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, like the, the generational aspect of it. But, you know, I've met some I've met some older people with some really badass tattoos. You know, you're like, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> We were just uh, we were just making a joke about it yesterday. Um, I did a, I did a podcast with uh, like my my old tag, tag team partners from like the early 2000s, and one of the guys that like we came up with. And well, we came. He was the old he was an old timer when we were coming up, and uh, he he got stupid tattoos when he was like over 40. He went and got like like shitty tribal. Um, like uh, barbed wire bands around both of his arms, uh-huh. his forties, and we're like, we were like, ah, oh, that was bad. That was real that's, bad. That's, that, that, that is the midlife crisis point, right? Like when you start doing. Did he buy a convertible? Anything like that? I, I don't know. I know he had a big old pickup truck, okay. but later on, and this is going to take a dark turn for a second. So he went on to later. Murder suicide, his wife. And we're like, well, if you get shitty tribal tattoos after they're not cool or trendy, then 
that's the, the sign, the warning sign that you might murder suicide somebody. I'll keep I'll keep an eye out for that. <laughs> oh my god, that's horrible. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, so as a as a wrestling fan, do you uh, did you did you see the film The Wrestler? Because I believe that was shot in Jersey and Philly, right? I was in it. Yeah. You're in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you where are, where where in the in the film are you? Uh, you know you know when um, it actually uh, one of the scenes that I was in got cut, um, but you know the scene when he's like in the ring with Necro Butcher and they're doing the staples and the mm-hmm. ladder. Mm-hmm. And then comes back in the locker room, and all the dudes are clapping for him. All the other wrestlers. I was in that scene. Oh no and, way! And then they filmed an alternative scene, which they didn't even use in the movie, and it kind of caused a little bit of a plot hole. Did, do you remember in the movie when when he was like, um, he was like sitting in the dark ass room, and then he just fell over? Yeah. He was like in the room all by himself. Yeah. Um, we actually filmed that where he was like in the room with all of us and he threw up and fell on the ground and then that got cut and they wound up doing it with the with the, him just the dark room and then later on he's telling his daughter about the heart attack or he's telling marissa tomei about the heart attack and he goes oh everybody said i fell over like a ton of bricks like you were all by yourself in a room right? oh interesting yeah oh wow well that's cool man that's i it's uh did you enjoy the experience of being on that set yeah, I mean it was an overnight shoot. Um, it was at the uh, it was at the arena, like the ECW arena down yeah. in South Africa. So um, it was an overnight shoot. I you know, I got like fifty bucks or something, and I fell asleep in the ring. <laughs> but, did you Did you get to to observe Darren Aronofsky directing? Yeah, yeah, he touched me a couple times. Yeah, yeah. what's his uh, What's his I'm What's not his style? Too Aronofsky. What's that? I'm not trying to me too, Darren Aronofsky. No, no, no. <laughs> you like directed me a little bit, but right, right, right. Consensual, appropriate direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what was what was what's your uh, what's your takeaway? What was his uh, directing style like? I'm so curious. It was, you know, I've been on tons of sets, and he was he was very matter of fact. He was very very like nip, 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 nip. like it was not as chill as other sets i've been on mm-hmm. but it wasn't as hectic as other sets so interesting it's it's sort of that middle ground that we were talking about before yeah and you were also you also worked with m night Shyamalan, huh right yeah 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 um i i have a somewhat impressive resume for a zero <laughs> zero rich guy that's it's cool that you know so many films uh you know film in philadelphia and and uh, you know, even Always Sunny, I know they'll come out and they'll do a couple of days out there. And uh, like I was saying, I'm from Pittsburgh and they did the, you know, Batman was there and Perks of Being a Wallflower. And there's a couple of films. And so they people were getting really excited about that. And I think it's cool that film is now moving around to other places. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I ventured to New York a lot for, for stuff like TV shows and movies and stuff. But I mean, the Philly stuff is like always better because i don't have to go that far but, yeah uh, yeah one of my um, first jobs and in, in while i was still in college was in new york and i had a friend's vol you know 1992 volvo that was like rattling and just staying together and i would you know finish classes and i would jump in this thing and i would drive the two hours you know past the uh with that big like oil refinery and you know what i'm talking about up the is it 
Yeah. And I'd get, I'd get to New York and I'd work all night and then get up at like 6 a.m. drive back for classes. It was crazy. Yeah, it's much better just to stay put in Philly. But um, but New York is fun. I don't know. Do you um, do you visit a lot? Uh, I don't visit as much. I just like I've been going, like I said, go to just like do background sort of stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. last time I was there, like I went and did the blacklist. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, back on the blacklist and uh, they they did a, they dressed a bar up like it was Detroit, so we were pretending like we were Detroit people. Yeah, it's always it's always fun when you show up to a location and you're like, I have no idea what they're going to do with this, and then you walk inside and you're like, Oh my gosh, it's completely transformed. You know, it's like art direction is so huge. Yeah, that, you know, it's it's like I said, like that's just since October. I've been only doing that sort of stuff, like uh, been just doing like background and extra work and make just enough to pay my bills, just enough right. to get like a couple small paychecks. It's like, of course, I want to be doing more than that. And I, I do more than that on the indie level, but, yeah. but that doesn't pay. Yeah, of course. But it's also very cool to like just to be on a set. Like I, I shadowed on a set recently for a couple months and I didn't get paid. Um, but I was there every day right next to the directors, learning from them, you know, watching the producers and the actors work. And, you know, being a background, it's it's you're doing a job. You're there to help tell a story. But also like you get kind of this like free exposure and education. Right. You get to see I've never seen Darren Aronofsky work. He's never touched me. You know, so like, you know, you get to you get to have these really cool experiences that you can then take back to your indie filmmaking, you know, and hopefully that like slowly those worlds come closer and closer together. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping I do I do this enough with enough cool people. Like honestly, dude, I seeing your stuff and hearing you and like just kind of understanding your personality and just like our texts for the last couple of days. You just seem like the type of dude who would magnet, magnet the good energy to wind up becoming the next Darren Aronofsky or the next, you know, the next M. Night Shyamalan or the next whoever. You know what I mean? It's, I like now having these conversations because, like I said, the resources and the things that connected those things fascinate me so much. So if this is just the start, if this is just the start of our friendship and the beginning of what your ascension winds up being, you know what I mean? I'm ground floor on that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, well, I, um, I appreciate that, man. And that means a lot. And yeah, I mean, you, you've you been doing this for a while. I've been doing it for, you know, a while. And you just, you slowly, hopefully get a little bit better and you make, a you know, uh, another connection. But it really comes back to the work. And, you know, my, my, my wife always says, uh, work hard and be nice, you know? And it's like, it's, you shouldn't come up with that. But, you know, just right. that idea of like, really put your nose... What's that? Well, it's her quote. Make sure she's quoted in that every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She came up with that. Every, no, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's something we've heard before, but it's it's so true. Like, and it's hard to do, right? It's hard to put yourself out there and put your like literal, you know, sometimes blood, sweat and tears into something that you care about. It could be financially draining. It could be emotionally draining. It could be, you know, physically draining. And at the end of the day, you know, you, you, you want to snap or you want to push back or you want to, you know, scream at somebody and, and you, you just can't do that stuff, you know, because it's not about you. It's about the work and it's about making sure that you collaborate. I mean, the fact that I worked with Joe, you know, over 10 years ago on this feature and we still have a, a good relationship. 
yeah. when you know I wasn't I was an indie feature I wasn't paying him you know I think I paid him in pizza and you know and so um, but yeah I mean I, I I hope that like attracts like you know that you surround yourself with really cool people who are creative and doing awesome stuff and and that just kind of it creates a feedback loop of good work and positivity and all that I really believe that you know you know the, you know the saying uh, be the change you wish to see in the world yeah yeah my wife also came up with that I think okay wow <laughs> you know what. You know what? Get her on the get her on the podcast. Right, right. <laughs> I, but I, I feel like that be be all of the things you you want to see in the world. Yeah. Like be the work you want to see in the world. Be the sincerity you want to see in the world. Be you know be be the friendly. Be the apathetic. Be the empathetic. You know what I mean? Feel, like uh, pe- people people talk and don't listen enough. So if I'm listening to you, I want to actually hear you and I want to actually know what's going on. Like, I think enough people will, will say they hear me, but they're not listening to me. Right. And that, that might, you know, that might be from training day. Like, <laughs> right, right. Um, but I mean, this goes back to our mutual friend, Jordan Brady, right? He is somebody who, really talented guy, works really hard, you know, makes incredible commercials. Um, but is also the type of guy who will sit down and have a real conversation with you, who will watch your work and give you feedback on it and, you know, come on your podcast and give you a real interview. You know, like he's a good guy, you know? Yes. And so. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I made a friend out of him, dude. I, like I, I told you, I, I've been quoting I Am Comic, that, that, that documentary that he made, what was that, 10 years ago? Yeah. Quoting that forever. I quote the Jeff Foxworthy stuff all the time. It made me decide that I wanted to like, yep, this is this is a big choice that I want to make. A big swing I want to do is like, I started seeing like the that was like I think that was probably where I first uh, learned who Nikki Glazer was. And she was right. like missing out on the road. He had the foot like he got some great stuff, and I can't believe that's not. I don't know how big of a hit it is, but when I talk about it with other comics and they don't know what I'm talking about, I'm like. How do you not know what this is? And then also, like, he got on record Carlos Mencia saying, fuck yeah, I steal jokes. Mm. Like, that, that might have been the nail in Carlos Mencia's coffin. Like, that was, that was historic. Yeah. Yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. And, and you know, I, I'm always attracted to people who you know, have this thing that they do, right? But then they expand and keep trying to do other things like you, right? Actor, but also wrestler, also podcast person, you know? And I think that having multiple hats, actually, it all feeds, right? In the same way that Jordan Brady has a hot sauce company, you know, where he does that and he makes like little little commercials for those things. And then he also does documentary work and stand-up comedy. It's it's good. Like passing it on, passing it, like has no problems passing on some knowledge like that's i yeah. that's something that that i'm uh, i think i do that as well i mean a lot of times when i say like if i'm talking to somebody and i realize they have a perspective they have a voice they have a point of view that perhaps isn't representative represented as much in the world and people can learn from it i'll 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 uh, advise them to start a podcast yeah like interesting enough voice that they can get some they can get some some influence in the world yeah and i think there's a lot of negativity around that too people being like well everybody's got a podcast and you know and 
But I also say like, you know, every, I, this is what I tell people is like, everybody has had a pencil and paper for every, you know, like, and there's, there's no shortage of, shortage of stories to be told, you know, and it might be hard and it might be difficult to rise above that noise. But if you're, like you said, if you if you're passionate about something and you've got a perspective and, um, you'll, you'll find an audience, you know, um, I'm not a huge fan of Kevin Smith's, uh, cinema, but I'm a huge fan of Kevin Smith as a person. And I'm so impressed by the fact that he goes on these road shows with his work and he can stand up there for two hours and just talk. And then he can show his movie to a ravenous, you know, group of fans who just want to see him and see his work. And I like, again, like I said, I'm not, I'm not the market for that, but I am the market for what he's doing. And I really appreciate him. Do you, are you a fan? Oh, huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> huge fan. Uh, I, I watched all those movies tons when I was younger and, uh, me, me and my best friend were Jay and Silent Bob years and years, so many times. Like, we, we did the Jay and Silent Bob cosplay for an episode of Comic Book Man. Like, oh, we, uh, you know, we, we, we were just, uh, we were always, like, we had that dynamic with each other. Like, I was the Jay to his Silent Bob, except for he talked a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. We, well, host, we host a podcast as well now, uh, him and I. Uh, another uh, another friend of the podcast, Joe Gariffo, he yeah. recently uh, started um, dabbling in animation. Yeah. Uh, animation. And yeah, he, yeah. he did some stuff um, around the release of, of the new Jay and Silent Bob movie, which he shared with Kevin Smith, who put it out there, you know, on Twitter or something like that. And I think that's awesome. You know, the fact that... A story about it? What's that? Did he tell you the story about it? Yeah, we talked. We talked a little bit about it. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of amazing how you know he was able to uh, connect with him. Yeah, I I, uh, I texted. I was texting with him as soon as I saw him like posting about it, and uh, and he was like, Kevin Smith was like, how much would you charge to do one of those for me? And he was like, for you, I do it for free. And Kevin Smith was like. No, I'm trying to employ you, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, again, that's that's what we're talking about. We're talking about just being being a fan of something, having that passion. Be, you're you're willing to do it for free, and many times it either costs you money or you're not making money on it. Mm -hmm. um, but you're creating something that you care about, and you're passionate about, and that's the thing that's going to rise above. Yeah, you like, know? I've done uh, 176 episodes of this podcast now. Well, I'm on my 176th podcast. Uh, it never, never made me a dime. Right. More than anything, it's cost me more. Right. And it's like um, these messages need to be received to the world. Absolutely. Uh, if they hear them now or 20 years after I'm passed away, if somebody gets a, if somebody hears something that really resonates with them and it changes somebody's lives. Or it changes somebody's life, and then that person affects other lives. Yeah. I feel like I may have done what I came to this earth to do. That's fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of idiomatic language around that idea, right? Like uh, a rising tide lifts all ships. Or, you know, it takes nothing for one candle to light another. And, and I really believe that stuff. You know, I don't, with my crew and my cast, I do everything that I can when I make something to make sure everyone's credited and that they know, hey, there's going to be a screening down the road. And, and hey, this is, what's that? And pizza down the road. Exactly, exactly. There's going to be pizza, um, but I think it's really important to 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 lift everybody up around you and 
and and come up as a group. And I, if you look at like some great filmmakers, uh, you know, I think Kevin Smith is a person who does this. You know, takes his crew. Adam Sandler is famous for working with the same people over and over again and bringing them up and employing them. And I think that's really cool. What's that? Really on Nick Swartzen, real hard. I, you know, uh, Nick Swartzen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of Nick Swartzen, and then when I saw that Adam Sandler brought him into the Happy Madison group, I was like, yes, good for him. He yeah. deserves that. Yeah, you, I, I mean, I think it's easy to get jaded and, and get into that, like, I got to look out for me. And I've definitely been, you know, I have stories about people who have, you know, taken advantage of a certain situation or, you know, have, have, have you know, handled something in a way that wasn't the best for the entire group. And then those things hurt and they can kind of close you up and shut you down and you can start to get defensive. And and I think that that, you know, you have to just look at that as, as an individual situation and say like, no, you know, that I don't have to react that way. I can react the opposite way. Right. I can take that and be not and not be that person and, and try to do better. So I, I remember writing a line for a movie and you just reminded me of it uh, for a movie we did in like 2015 and just writing it and then seeing it performed and like watching that scene later. And it still it still sticks with me now when when the guy was trying to apologize for something and he was like, I saw an opportunity and I took advantage of it. Sorry. He was like, no, you didn't take advantage of an opportunity. You took advantage of me, not right. an opportunity. So it was like, it's a cool little, um, it, and it, it's the same little thing, which is like just those little things are so important for, um, telling a little bit of, of a story where like another part in the movie, it was like, Oh, you want me to say, I'm sorry. And you want me to mean it. Well, there's a difference between saying it and meaning it. And it, it, all of that is like with anything you do, everything has to be on purpose. Everything has to be for me. Everything has to be like the, the sincerest of intentions. And that's why I think that through building up this catalog, maybe I'm building a network of its own. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm the connection that connects you to somebody else later on. Or maybe you're the connection that connects me to something else. And I'm happy to be that. I'm so glad to be that. That makes me ecstatic to think about how, uh, you know, you, you, and I could, you and I could work together in the future. Or, you know, or um, you, could, you could look through everybody who's been on my podcast and you'd be like, hey, could you hook me up with the contact info for this person? And I go, absolutely, happy to do it. Like, yeah. There's nothing in it for me. It's the, the joy is in it for me. That's what's in it for me. Absolutely. That's and that's, if you do everything with an agenda, you know, it starts to get exhausting and, and people can, can feel that and tell that. And, you know, I've, I've hooked so many people up through the years with jobs. Just, hey, you talk to this person, you know, and then they go off and make something amazing. And people have done that for me, too. You know, and I think that Again, you, it, it takes uh, nothing from a candle to light another, or whatever that that phrase is. It, it's so That's true. You, you just throw my wall in my bedroom. Oh, you do. It's a a thousand candles can be lit from the flame of one candle, and that first candle doesn't the flame doesn't go down. Yeah. Uh, it costs nothing to be kind. Exactly. Exactly. And it's and it's so true. And it costs you know like I'm happy to make an introduction, an email introduction, or um, have you know hook somebody up with an opportunity uh, if, if I can, you know, and what you get from that is the satisfaction that you're helping somebody get a little bit closer to their goal. And, you know, that, that stuff may, sometimes comes back in tangible ways and sometimes it doesn't, but it doesn't matter because 
I'm still doing my shit. You know what I mean? Like you gotta, you gotta kind of stay on your track and do your thing, but um, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to help others ever. My, one of my really good friends, Aaron, uh, this, I mean, it's going to sound sad for a minute because like he, he passed away in 2015, but he went out of his way to like hook people up with tons of opportunities and like he would get screwed over real hard by people sometimes. And, and, uh, I've, and we, we talked about it and we were both like, I'm not going to stop doing that. And he said, I won't stop looking out for people because if I stop looking out for people, then I won't be me. Exactly. Yeah. And then, then I was at, I went to his funeral and a lot of the people who screwed him over weren't there. And I was like, um, this this isn't for nothing. This isn't for nothing at all. Because for sure he looked out for me and I'm gonna have the opportunity to have his memory in in the, the thread of every single thing I do. So uh, I, I'm just uh, I'm just more psyched about like that could have that could have bummed me into a just a bleh. Mm -hmm. Well, these people that I'm helping out won't even show up at my funeral. These people that I'm helping out will some some of them will screw me over and some of them will just act like I don't exist anymore. But that's not going to stop me from continuing to do things because I'm not I don't have any ulterior motive in my kindness. Right. My the I should have an intolerance for, you know, for this or that, but I don't find myself to have an intolerant bone in my body. Like I don't, I, in my marrow, I can't be intolerant. Like if I wasn't able to drink milk, I wouldn't be lactose intolerant because that word couldn't exist in my vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you do, you learn from those experiences and they change you and they maybe influence how you move through the world. You know, um, I'm somebody who, you know, started, you know, making films without contracts and you just, it's a bunch of friends and you get together and you, you try to make something out of nothing. And then, you know, now I'm somebody who makes sure that those contracts are signed and, you know, the work is protected and registered and all that stuff. And, and those are just things that you, you learn to do in order to make sure that you're not opening yourself up to be taken advantage of. But at the same time, that doesn't stop me from still going back to those same friends, you know, and being like, just sign the contract and we can get going, you know? <laughs> and so... You know, you do, you learn, but you, you, you try to do your best. Yeah. It's, it, when it comes to the, the, like, the intricacies of, like, contracts and payment and stuff, like, it's like, that's where, that's where relationships can get muddy. And when it comes to, like, who's owed what or who gets what when someone dies and, like, love, this tears loved ones apart when, like, a will, like, it's like, understand before it ever happens that that part's not personal and that part's not about you remove yourself from taking that personally because they're the person who you're against is mourning the loss too right and it's it's all i mean it's all we're all we're all part we're all leaves on the same tree man yeah, I mean, I, and I think going back, you know, full circle here to this, the quarantine and the pandemic and everything that we're dealing with right now shows us more than ever, right? This isn't 
an enemy that is, you know, has come to attack us or whatever. It is everybody is equally affected by this. Every nationality, every type of person out there is going through the same thing. You know, we are all part of this one thing. And I think in a strange way, um, you know, I was describing this to some this feeling to somebody and they were like, oh, it's almost like after 9-11 where everybody kind of quieted down and came together. And I was like, it's very different because that was, you know, us against this outside force that kind of came in, uh, you know, uh, to us where it's it becomes nationalistic and all of these things. Uh, whereas this pandemic is, is, is the entire world is feeling it. And everybody is kind of remembering that, you know, and then you look at like um, the environment, how the environment is healing itself and, mm-hmm. you know, all these things, all these uh, changes that are happening to like the ozone layer and, and the, the, the weather here and um, the uh, smog in Los Angeles is, is, been reduced to its lowest levels since the 1980s and um you're just like oh wow you know what we put into the air how we live our life we are all like you said branches on the same tree we're all connected right uh i think a pitfall that a lot of us fall into i mean i've been guilty of it a lot where it's like you find the common thing to blame like with the 9-11 thing like did you did you read the sebastian younger the, the, the book, The Tribe. No. He, he talked a lot about like the tribal mentality and all that. Like, and I think that a lot of that, and I, I say this a lot when it comes to like Donald Trump. And I think I got some of this from Rogan. I don't know for sure. But it was like, no, in no way could any of those people in middle America relate to a New York City billionaire unless he comes and he says, they're the enemy. They're the blame. It's them against us, right? We're in this together. And then they go, yeah! Like, it's a, it's, a matter of, it's a matter of some other force. Some other force being the problem. And it's like, blame that instead of work on me. Uh, so I say when people go, oh, it's just my luck. Uh, it's just, just our luck. Just our bad luck. Just goes to figure that that's what happens. I'm like, once you start blaming an outside force, you stop bringing the good force to you. Mm. Yeah. So, so be like, well, I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that if this is the problem, this little problem, I'm not saying it's my luck. I'm saying, well, well things happen and it's on to the next. But throughout that, I got to be like, look at all these other things that went really great. Yeah. Like you gotta you gotta have things messed up sometimes to understand who you're gonna be when things are going really well. Hundred percent. Yeah. Like that's whether we're just talking about in film where something goes wrong and you have to adjust, or uh, this is a great time for reflection. You know, like man, uh, you know, maybe I wasn't getting out as much and, and exercising outside as much as I wanted to, and then you when that's taken away, you go, wow, that's something I really value. And that can happen in every aspect of your life, you know, at any time. It's important to, you know, you know, this goes to a lot of the stuff that, you know, uh, is out in the ether right now with like gratitude and, and trying to just stay centered in, in mental health care and things like that. And I think it's really important to take that stuff seriously. And, and whether you believe in it or not, you know, I think it's important to take a moment and just be like, hey, I'm really appreciative of this aspect of this part of my life or whatever. Yeah, man, I mean. I, I think about how often, like, how grateful I am that 
I don't have a compromised immune system, and I uh, I don't smoke cigarettes. Like, it's not like anybody who smokes cigarettes and still does does it because they're going, eh, screw Corona. Ah. Like, they're it's like a it's like a a problem. People want to stop smoking. No one's doing it because they really want to do it. Right. It it sucks. I wish everyone would stop. I really really do for the health of everybody. Yeah. But, uh, it's 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 going to be weird when we're through this, and I'm 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 hopeful. I'm really hopeful about people being more because they miss they miss gatherings. You know what I mean? They miss going to the movies, or they miss going to a show, or going you know to a, a comedy, or going yeah to a restaurant. Or well, again, it's like you think you think it's me, and it's all about you know my how I navigate through the world, and it's very you know egocentric, and then you realize how many shared experiences there are in the world, whether it be just being on the subway with somebody, you know, you put on your sunglasses and your headphones and you kind of shrink away, but you're amongst all of these people, right? And you can have a shared experience. A movie theater is a shared experience, bars and restaurants. And you you just realize, you know, this is put uh, such an emphasis on, um, you know, it's called self-isolation. You know, people are isolated, they're quarantined, they're away from each other, and just how important it is to come together as human beings and recognize that, you know, we're part of these complex systems of, of interaction. I do you think it's a Brian Regan thing where he talks about how the audience all becomes one thing when they mm-hmm. left? That's the one thing, that it's you and them as one thing. So it's like we... We, we are all so united in our, in our common things that our differences shouldn't divide us as much as they do. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, the missing factor is just like people want to disagree just for the sake of disagreeing. Like some people are trolls, <laughs> like they just want to argue because that's their strong suit or whatever. That's what they're good at. It's like, just put that down. Put, yeah. that, put, that, that, put down that weight for me. Uh, and, and look, this is an absolutely horrible thing that's happening and people are getting sick and people are dying and, and, and lives are being ruined and, and the economic downturn is problematic and people can't pay their rent. This is a very horrible thing. Like there is no doubt about that. But to your point, I think that, when we get through this as a global society, there will be, hopefully, you know, those positive outcomes where we feel a little bit more connected, we feel a little bit more in touch with each other, a little bit more grateful for what we have. It's weird. Like, my mom has, I'm going to tell a, 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 a pretty recent personal story. My, my mom has on her, on, her, uh, on her front lawn a sign that says, hate has no home and and uh, I was over her house last week or something. And she was going off about how she hates Donald Trump, and she off, off, off about it. And I was like, you know, all like all the all the deaths that have happened are like on his hands and all that stuff. And how much he hates him. And I was like, hey, you know how you have that sign up front that says "Hate has no home here." Uh, don't don't hate him. Uh, just just disagree with him. 
disagree, it's different. But you're hating him. That's giving as much passion as loving. Mm-hmm. Just understand that that is what it is, but also, like, it's a, it's a, hard, to, it's a hard thing to, to personalize your enemy, to empathize with your enemy. I think, like, you're, and I think my mom kind of got pissed off at me when I was saying, don't hate him. And I was like, you're, you're hating. That's all it is. Like, right. sure. Well, it's, a, you know, again, it's Whatever a, it yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a good conversation to have <laughs> with anybody at any point. But, like, you know, he's a symptom of a much larger and complex situation, you know, that's, that's driven by so many different factors that you're right like to to be to be specifically angry with that person i mean there are things that are maddening about what he does but you know it's the system that allows him to do that it's still you know we're still you know purportedly a country you know by the people for the people and and you know if enough people wanted him gone we could make that potentially happen you know so like you really have to go back and be like what what is the you know what is the change you want to be right what can you do about it if if you if he's doing something um that you don't like uh you know that remember all the marches that were happening and all the organize you know like people were demonstrating and coming together um to overcome you know whatever feelings of anger they had against him what if they did another march right now another march but they all stayed six feet apart from each other <laughs> how much room would that take up I know, right? <laughs> Just see this gigantic uh, spread out rally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's good. I, I hate, you know, it's poison. What is, there's there's some uh, there's some saying about that, how it's like the only thing that like hurts the, the person who uh, holds it within themselves or something like that. Well, it's kind of like that, uh, that, you know, you're, if you're out for revenge, dig two graves. Right. right. You know, it's like that sort of thing. It's really like you He's got an unhealthy ego, of course. Anybody who'd want that job, of course, is like, yeah, I got this. I'll figure, oh, I'll take the hardest job. But I, of course, think that the only reason, not the only reason, but one of the big reasons that he wanted to be the president is so that he could be famous. He could be more famous. Like, you're going to get, you're going to get respect and you're going to get fame that you couldn't have imagined. Just right. being this Wall Street billionaire or whatever you were. I, I, I think it had to do with obsession with self. Um, everybody who's ever uh, wanted to be president has been a narcissist egomaniac. Because no one person has all the answers. And if you think you're that one person who's going to have all the answers to all the, question, to all the questions, maybe you got to look in the mirror. Right. Well, you probably don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, hopefully this, if, you know, if there, if there are positive changes that come out of this, it's, it's, it's us looking at, you know, the entire country and the entire world as, as this, you know, we all are affecting each other and, and hurting each other and helping each other. And so what can we do to, to, to heal as a, as a, global organization and even our neighborhoods you know i noticed in my neighborhood you know people who never really said hi or didn't know each other you know they're out for a walk and they've got their mask on you know they've got their dog and all of a sudden it's 
hey, you're another person that 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 lives near me, and an acknowledgement of that, you know. So it's it's um you're just you're seeing that little. Are you are you noticing any of that in your neighborhood? Uh, there's, I mean, everybody's face is covered, so I can't see if anyone's smiling. But I'm getting a lot of waves, and I'm yeah, getting a lot of waves. Nods. some waves and nods. Yeah, exactly. Waves yeah. and head nods. But yeah. I mean, if people if people don't wave back, or if people are in their space, I respect it. I I go okay. Well, I get it. I get it. Like, you're scared too. Yeah. Like, this is a scary world right now. Yeah, I mean, when Tom Hanks got it, I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, did you watch? Did you watch the SNL that from home? The SNL from home? I did. Yeah, I thought that was pretty clever. Really good. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I I, I love the Ninja Turtles sketch. Yeah. The what are the middle aged turtles? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, so the I, I was hearing was when you did Jordan's podcast, the, the what's it called? I don't respect the process. No. Uh, so you you were talking about were you talking about gone? I know yeah, you were because he was saying that the girl. So he, <clears throat> yeah, his kids went to preschool with with the the artist, right? And it's like all that small world synchronicities, all that that it gets, uh, it gets even stranger, man. Yeah, to to bring that point up again. So I, through a series of events, ended up meeting Sophie and you know working on this video for uh, a song called Dogfight. Um, which is where she's sort of in this like milky void of white and black and and um, and that's what I was talking with Jordan about the, the t when I was on his podcast and it's interesting because in the interim after that uh, Sophie got married mm -hmm. and the guy that she married uh, I believe I could be wrong about this but he he also knows Jordan he was like a PA and had done some work for Jordan years ago. And so Jordan Brady knew both of them sort of separately, and then they came together and ended up getting married. Uh, and he's the guy who I think I mentioned plays the tattoo artist in the in the video. So um, yeah, it was really it was really cool that like all those little pieces kind of came together. So yeah, Gone is is brand new. I didn't mention it last time, but uh, it's out now. It came out a couple of days ago, and by the time this podcast airs, it'll probably be out for months. But uh, yeah, if people want to check it out, I you know they can check out Sophie Strauss and her music and all that. And, Hopefully they enjoy it. She's very talented. It, it's, it's a cool chapter. And I, I think that what's also a very cool chapter is this, is this is a very historic time. So the fact that this is coming out in the bubble, that is everyone being locked in their homes and yeah. seeking content and seeking entertainment. It's like... Um, uh, and I would, uh, this goes back to something we were talking about earlier. And I was talking about having everything having like a. I don't like to do a lot of like jokes in my comedy that are very like time stamped. I don't do like a whole lot of Donald Trump stuff because, like, I want it to be stuff I can still do. Right. Or that if somebody watches back something, they go, "Oh well, that was all about George W. Bush." Like, do you sit? Have you ever watched like Patton Oswalt's George W. Bush stuff? Or, I like. 
I, Mike, I've seen his stand-up, but I don't remember his Bush stuff, no. Like, it, like Mike Birbiglia had a whole lot of George W. Bush stuff. Right. Like, stuff isn't as timeless. Right. No. But Mike Birbiglia's new stuff about, you know, what, you know, his fear of being a father and things like that's very personal and very timeless. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we were kind of bummed when, you know, we found out we wouldn't be able to do like a premiere and a party and all that stuff and a show to promote it. But what we ended up doing instead is because we're all stuck inside is we ended up making uh, VHS copies of of the um, I've I've got one right here. We we, we did these VHS copies of Gone. I thought that was a bit. I thought that was just a gimmick. No, no. So we actually we decided since we're all stuck at home, we'd release it on home video, which is, you know, that was always one of the things that I loved growing up. You know, I grew up. Um, at a time when you know you would go to the the blockbuster with your your parents or your friends, and you'd you'd get a you know and that was always like an indicator of like we're going to be hunkered in, we're going to be staying home, we're going to be in the basement or wherever it is that you had your you know your VCR and we're going to have a great night, we're going to watch something. And so uh, we only made a limited run of them. You know, it's it is it is more of a promotional tool than anything else. But at the same time, it's like it's just so reminiscent of that that era of we're at home, we're all kind of gonna get the popcorn out and watch a VHS. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not a lot of people have v- VCRs anymore, but it, it would be yeah. it's a cool, promotional, cool, like, like trophy to have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's an art piece, really. You know, it's, it's yeah. uh, I, I would be so impressed if somebody had a VCR and could actually play it. It was really difficult to get it on, to get the digital file. We had to go to a DVD, and then from the DVD, we had to go to uh, a VCR, and we were able to get you know the the file down onto it. Um, so if anybody does you know have one to play it on, it'd be awesome. But it, yeah, VCR, I uh, I just got it like a couple days ago. Oh, nice! <laughs> I actually just got a a, a V8, I got a, a VCR a couple days ago, and like a couple weeks before that, I got a record player. I inherited my grandmother's old record player. I told you that my mom was like going through my grandmother's stuff that was in the basement. Yeah. And I had a, I had this like uh, vinyl album, Pete Holmes. I had Pete Holmes vinyl album that just came out on the limited release. Just that one album was only vinyl. So I just, I've had that for months and wasn't able to listen to it. I never listened to it up until I just got this record player. And it's like, that was the same thing I was thinking about your VHS tape. So it was like, well, it would be a cool thing to just have, like the like that that vinyl album. It was just a cool thing to just have. I didn't know I was going to actually have a record player and listen to it. But yeah, I I did. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I think most people who end up with these won't won't be able to watch them. But um, it was really important to me to like find a way to get that media actually on the the VHS tape in case anybody was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop it in. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a fun I thing. Fun just to have it. Yeah, man, like, just to. I have a shelf up there uh, in my in my living room that's just like I got like a like a a box of box of cereal up there, an old box of cereal, and some like a trophy and a big Hulk Hogan action figure with a Slim Jim in his hands. Oh, that's great! Uh, I, I would put it up there totally. I got like my my uh, my vinyl record displayed over there. Yeah, that stuff's fun. And again, like you engage in it. Like I I miss you know uh, Joe Griffo is somebody who collects a lot of DVDs and things. And and I used to do that, not so much anymore, but I miss, not miss, but I sort of like, um, I always enjoyed the physical interaction with media, you know, that you can sort of run your fingers over, 
you know, what um, what film you're going to watch or grab a book off the shelf. And as things, obviously, I'm, I'm not the first one to lament the loss of physical media. And there's a lot of good things about digitizing everything. But um, but when it's actually sitting there and you can see it and you're like, oh, yeah, I have that. Maybe I'm going to go grab it off the shelf and watch it. It's different than scrolling through Netflix endlessly. Well, there's a difference with the, the, the books and stuff like you digitize. A lot of people have digitized like comic books. And we were talking about this on my podcast a couple couple episodes ago. My friend Alex has like a, a Kindle that he has like tons of comic books on. But he was talking about how he used to have a ton of comic books and then they're, they're all just digitized now. And I was talking about it on an episode like years ago probably. And I was talking about uh, the one thing you're going to miss from digitizing so much things is like you can hear it and you can see it, but you'll never be able to smell it. Absolutely, absolutely. Part of all of that. I still remember the smell of this comic book store I used to go into when I was a kid. You know, I'd I'd go to work with my mother, and uh, you know, on the weekends, and she would. There's this comic book store, and while she was working, I'd run over there and spend you know eight hours just you know, and you get that smelling. And it's the same with filmmaking. You know, when you shoot, I mean, there's so many great things about digital cinema, but when you shoot celluloid, it has you know, there's a smell to it, and. I, I kid you not, when I got these tapes and I opened it up and you smell that like plasticky, yeah. you know, VHS, that that like acetone or whatever's on. The, I don't even know what it is, but it, it, it has just the smell of like nostalgia to it. And it's so um, takes you right back. The smell, the smell was a big part of going to like West Coast video mm-hmm. when I was a kid, like having that smell like the, the like or like the, the smell of brand new carpets. Yeah thing like you can't replace that i always remember the block yeah the blockbuster was like it was like plastic and like like old like stale popcorn yeah that was like the two smells and you're like do they even sell popcorn you know it's it's fascinating to think about how much like ar and vr are going to be such a big part of in the future of consuming things yeah uh, consuming content but it's like both of those things should also have a, a, like, there should be some smell element placed in somehow. Yeah, it's almost like in the 1950s when they had smell-o-vision in the movie theaters, and they would, like, pump, you know, and it just never worked. I feel like there's just certain, there's certain things that are so, smell is one of them, obviously, you know, that are, that are so hard to replicate. I went on a ride in Disney World called Soarin'. Oh, yeah. And- and they pumped in like they put they soared you over like the woods and then they pumped in the smell of like pine trees and stuff and i was like yeah like this is the future yeah like putting putting smells into um into movies right it's just it's just some tour guide in the corner of the the ride with febreze yeah different bottles ocean mist forest delight (laughs) tide yeah, <laughs> we're gonna take you soaring through the laundromat. Oh wow, it smells like it. My, I, I bought a candle recently, and uh, I've been. It smells really good. I and it, it's uh, moonlight starry night. Oh wow, does it smell like moonlight? It smells just like stars. I can't believe. <laughs> how, I didn't realize. I didn't realize that I missed the smell of stars so bad. I know, it takes me back. <laughs> but, like, if, if there's a way that they can, like, 
include a candle with a with a, a thing that like has the smell of whatever it is that you burn that while well, watching it or something. You know, it's funny you bring it up, but like you know, going just back to my board game for a second, it's an it's a nautically themed game mm-hmm. where you have to travel the, to these different islands and these little ships and collect these tokens and make it home first. And when I was making it, I was like, you know, again, it was just for me. I wanted it to be completely sent like uh, you, I wanted it to touch every sense, right? So there is a, a like a teak wood and tobacco candle that like operates as the timer for the game. So like as if the candle burns out, the game is over. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, it's supposed to smell like the hull of a ship. And then there's a bottle, a small bottle of rum that comes mm-hmm. with it. So you can smell the game and you can taste it. And we, um, started working on some original songs that will be sort of like a soundtrack that you can play in the background while you're playing the game. So you can hear it and smell it and taste it and, you know, touch it. And I just thought that was a really cool way of, of creating a game where these elements just, I mean, you can take all that away and still play the game, yeah, but it yeah. enhances that experience. That's that's, that's, cool. yeah. that's like what games have been missing, probably. Yeah, more more scented candles. <laughs> yeah, more scented candles. Well, that's what the stars smell like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, um, the yeah that 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 game that my friend Sage made up with sandwiches. If he had like deli meat candles. That's what. That's it. I think that that you nailed it. That's the future: is deli meat candles, block blockbuster, you know, in a jar, whatever, whatever, you know, all these, all these strange smells. Nope. Like, there's new car smells, but is there new carpet smells? There should be. There, there should. Be. That's one. Of my, that's one of my favorite smells. New car- yeah. I know it's just chemicals, but I love it. When you first go into a, a like a new apartment, and they just replace the carpets, that's a. That's a magical smell for me. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's all the future. Well, There's... like saying, um, I know you're not a wrestling fan, but uh, for the last month, they've been doing wrestling in front of no crowd. Like they're still wrestling in the ring, mm. but there's no crowd. And it's like they could pipe in. Excuse me. They, they could pipe in some sort of like um, VR experience for the audience and then have them through the magic of AR or like holographic, you know, they did a holographic Tupac. They could do yeah. that with an audience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and it wouldn't be as awkward as performing in front of no people because yeah. it's a physical thing. Well, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, I think again, this coronavirus thing is going to show us like there are things technology can solve, right? The fact that, you know, people are doing TV shows and news broadcasters are broadcasting from home. There's so much more we can do with technology than we had been doing. But then it also highlights the stuff that like there is not there's nothing that's ever going to replace the feeling of sitting in a crowd watching that wrestling match. You know, like it's so different than than your hologram being there. You know, but, I, I, I would assume I've never been a hologram, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know what holograms uh, feel like. I don't know <laughs> More importantly, what do they smell like? That's... Yeah, more importantly. Oh, you know, I was going to bring it up because you brought it up earlier. Like you said, your feature was like um, the swinging doors sort of. Uh, was that, what was that? Is that what the movie was called? With Gwen Sli- yeah, sliding doors, yeah. That was such a cool concept. The concept was so cool, but the movie was not. Yeah. Like the Gwyneth Paltrow with the British accent, I wasn't by it. 
Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, it, I'm not the first one to to take on that that idea. And in fact, I don't know if you've watched Devs recently on on. I've been meaning to. I started watching like the the preview for it, and then I was like, oh, I'm gonna go back and watch this. But right now, I'm in the mood for something fun. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely sort of like a slow burn thing, but it's it's really good. And and at one point, they do bring up the, the idea of you know the many worlds, right? Um, idea of every possible you know, variation of, of our lives existed at some point somewhere. And, uh, I, you know, I tried to do it in a way that was, uh, you know, I had seen sliding. I actually made the, wrote the film before I had seen sliding doors. And then I watched sliding doors and was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. That's good. You know, and I take my own little uh, approach to it, but uh, I'm always fascinated by that stuff. You know, um, the possibilities. Yeah. It's funny to think about, I, I think about this all the time about all the things you thought you wanted to do with your life when you were a kid, all the things you wanted to be when you grew up, and then think about all the things. Okay, I knew for sure I wanted to be a comedian. I knew for sure that I wanted to be a pro wrestler. I didn't know for sure that I wanted to be a podcaster because podcasting didn't exist yet. How many things now do I think I'm going to be or think that I want to do, but some of the things maybe don't exist yet? Yeah. I was talking to some some young kids who are interested in filmmaking and I said, what do you want to do? And they're like, I want to be a YouTuber. I found that really interesting that like as a kid, oh, I, I want to be a television personality or I want to be a filmmaker. YouTube obviously didn't exist. And and but now people are seeing, well, I can make this like hyper specific channel going back to like the Kevin Smith fandom and stuff. You know, it's like you can find this audience that is super passionate about this thing that you do and you can control that content. And and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really cool that that young people are looking at that um, YouTube as this like as a viable future option for their careers. There's a there's a lid for every jar. There's a there's a scratch to every itch. Uh, it's it's just a matter of like being able to reach that itch. You know, maybe it's in a place you can't reach it because that it doesn't exist all the way. Yeah, like, I I. Uh, I actually wrote it on my on my wall in my kitchen. I have like a, a big board that I just write stuff on, and uh, I wrote, uh, "You don't know exactly what you want until what you want's looking you right in your face." Because mm. you, I, I didn't know I wanted this. Who knows what I might want later? Because some new thing might exist. Yeah, absolutely. And but in the ever evolving. Exactly. Exactly. See, it's still on brand for you. To, you, to, to change is the only constant. There you go. Well, cool, man. This is this has been really great. I'm really I'm really happy you had uh, had me on. I, I appreciate the uh, the conversation. Can I ask you two more things? Of course. Okay. Considering that I said all the things earlier about this this record of this day, this timeline, this time capsule. Right now, in this time, it's the future for whoever's listening to it. While they're listening to it, it's the future. Like, you know it's going to be a couple months before this episode even comes out. That's right. right? So it'll be the future to those people. Let's say 30 years from now, somebody wants to know, somebody who loves you, wants to know what you were like right now in this time in your 30s. Maybe in the, the, the very beginning of your, like, 
rise, dude. Like, this could be the, the very beginning of what your rise is. And they come back and they want to hear what that was. And this time-stamped 2020 quarantine. Mm -hmm. What the hell were you? What the hell are you? What are you trying to become? What is the message for that person specifically about, like, this is, I'm calling this kind of audio time travel. Okay. So your, your voice and your intention is meeting the ears of somebody directly in the future who cares about you and is curious about your personality. That feels like a lot of pressure. <laughs> I've never time traveled before. Uh, Lower the stress. The pressure, yeah, yeah. the pressure doesn't need to exist. Just be you. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm right now I'm a person who's been making films for as long as I can remember. And for so, so long, so, so for such a large part of that, that time, uh, I've been sort of questioning a lot of what is the right project and the right thing to do and what is the outcome kind of be and trying to, trying to really control those things. And I think kind of arriving in 2020 after, you know, working in animation at DreamWorks and working, you know, in, in advertising at full screen and things like that, I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm starting to think a lot more about the things that are important to me as a, as a person, like we are, you're asking about, you know, being in front of the camera and stuff. And I think, um, before I was a lot more concerned with what was being out, was being put out there. And now I'm more concerned with what I'm saying and why I'm saying it. And so I'm working on a, a 2D animated short that's about, you know, um, environmentalism and philosophy and religion. And it's just, you know, it's very much things that I care about. And I'm working on some other shorts that have different messages in them. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I think for the first time in a long time, and I'm, I, I'm really proud of everything I've done in the past. And, and I hope I'll do more stuff in the future. But I, I'm just trying to create things that are meaningful and if they find an audience, that'd be amazing. But I'm starting to create a lot more just for myself and less for an audience. And, and maybe that'll be the breakthrough. Who knows? Or maybe it won't. But I think I just got to the point in my career was like, well, you know, if it happens and I, you know, I, I make something that really connects with a large audience, that's great. And if I don't, that's fine too. Because at the end of the day, I'll have a body of work I really care about. So hopefully 30 years in the future, somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh, yeah, he did it. <laughs> that would be cool. Well, I think you've got a really, really positive feel to you. You've got a real, you've got a really unique voice. And I, I could totally see, I could totally see you being a youth, like a, like a podcaster, having a blog that you're just like a, a record that you're just putting out there, regardless of what your audience is. That's what I'm doing. I could see you joining me in doing that. Like, and I, I'd listen. I'd subscribe to your podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and then I'd be your guest. I'd be your first guest. Happy to do it. Well, but, if it happens, I'm, I'm going to give you a call and, and be like, hey, you said. So. Well, uh, yeah. In that, in that note, I really honestly I was 100% sincere in that. Like, I really, like, you're, you're, your mission isn't to get the audience. It's to, like, this will be a record for you as well. This will be a record for you as well to go, like, well, I can go back to hear episode, 
episode two of the podcast and mm-hmm. listen to how my voice has changed since then or listen to how my perspective has changed since then. It's ever evolving. It's going right. to be different. It's going to be something more later. Maybe you've said something in episode two that you don't agree with in episode four, you know, it, but it's always going to be something different. Yeah. Uh, that's that's one of the one of the reasons I wanted to do this instead of like writing a book, because if I write a book and I publish that book in 10 years, I might have said something in the book that I don't agree with in 10 years. And then someone go, hey, what's this shitty thing you said in here? Why did you feel? Why did you say that? I'm like, oh no, I don't agree with that anymore. That's what I wrote in that book, but it's been published and everyone's read it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like you're having a conversation with yourself. You know, it's 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 pretty cool that you can you can do that. Well, the technology exists for you to be able to do that as well. <laughs> I might have to take you up on it. If I have an idea, I'll let you know. Well. It was an absolute pleasure meeting you and, and getting to talk with you and learn about your stuff. And you, you as well, you have a very positive vibe and I like what you're doing. So keep doing it, man. If you need anything, if you just need a friend, if you, uh, you know, if you just need to talk about anything, anything ever going on that you, you need some judgment-free conversation on or advice if I can offer that in any way, uh, don't hesitate to text me. Don't, he- don't ever hesitate. I'm always here for you. You know, uh, this is just the start. This is just the start of what our friendship's going to be. That's uh, great, man. Likewise. The way, the way I wrap up every episode is I say, hypothetically, I've given you this show. From now on, <laughs> it's evolving with Greg. So you, you take it from this point. This has been the pilot episode of your brand new podcast. Okay. And... In a Jerry Springer's final thought, 30 seconds to a minute, how do you tie a little pretty bow on it and put it out there to the world? Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, evolving. (laughs) We've talked about a lot of really uh, fun stuff today. We talked about uh, everything from filmmaking to um, positivity and and growth and uh, smells that, you know, uh, are connected to our memories and nostalgia. And so, you know, if, if you take anything away from this conversation, I just hope that you, um, you know, connect with people that are meaningful, you work hard and you, you stay, stay nice and, and uh, you know, find your voice and keep moving forward. How was that? You know what? I could, I could never hear, I could never hear somebody's thing and tell them that it wasn't exactly perfect because you are actually 100% perfectly you. There's nobody else who's ever been you, no one else who can ever see the world through your eyes. So absolutely beautiful. And I think you're a lovely person. And I'm glad that we've met. And, uh, you know, if anybody listening to the show, this is your first time ever listening to the podcast, you know, go ahead, go ahead and uh, check out the archived episode. There's 175 of them. And, uh, you know, hit that subscribe button so that every Monday you can get a new episode. And, uh, you know, this has been this has been a real pleasure, dude. I'm really I'm really happy for the the start of our friendship. Me too. Me too. Thanks a lot. Appreciate everything. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for all that. <laughs>